It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Ezekiel this morning, I was praying about how to shut down this this, this series on the heart. Has anybody enjoyed this? Now, number one, let me just say this to you. We don't do this to make money. We do this to get the Word of God into your life. We, we will put this series together in a package called Issues of the Heart, which will be available, which I'm going to get and listen to because this was all new material for me. I did not get this out of the book. I got this through prayer and meditation in the Word of God. I didn't read somebody's book and say, well, I think this is good. I just got into the Word and began to, to, to read and then begin to look at life experiences that I have, meditate on the Word, and God gave us all of this as a church. Amen. But remember this about the word of God. You know, years ago, I I, I met Leah. I was introduced to her. That was just an introduction. Amen. And after a few uh, months or so, uh, we took that introduction to another level. We started fellowshipping together. Are you with me? Now, out of that fellowship came a relationship. We got married. And that relationship produced covenant in our life. Now, a lot of times when the Word of God's taught, all you get is an introduction. But you got to carry it to another level. you got to fellowship with it. You've got to have a relationship with it so it'll produce covenant in your life. And that's why you should take notes, study the Word. That's why you should get the CDs, listen to them over and over and over and over. I was listening to, I was listening to some teaching this week that I bet I've heard a hundred times a hundred times in my lifetime, I've heard this particular message, and I listened to it again this weekend, I mean this week, during the week, and I heard something brand new I'd never heard before. You say, why? Because the Word of God is life, and the Word of God is light. Amen? Yeah. Ezekiel 11, real quick, let's look at this. God's speaking uh, to the nation of Israel, and we're going to kind of pull the type and shadow out of it today. Uh, we're not the people of God, we're the children of God. Can I get an Amen. Verse 17, Ezekiel 11, it says, Therefore say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord God. So this is a, this is a word from God. I will even gather you from the, from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. Now, now the reason they were scattered was sin. Amen? I mean, you get into sin, you get scattered. Your finances get scattered, all kind of stuff gets scattered. It says, and they shall come together. Everybody say, come together. And they shall take away the detestable things. Now, let me just say this. Living holy is not real popular. Let me try that again. Living holy is not real popular, but it's coming back. I tell you, people have had enough of sin. They've had enough of the detestable things. Ought to get a better amen than that. Therefore, and the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart. Everybody say one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of thy flesh. And I will give them a heart of flesh. Why? Why are you going to do that, Lord? Well, verse 20. That they may walk in my statutes, keep my ordinances, and do them. They They might obey the word of God and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. So all this week I've been trying to figure out, how do I I close this series? And the Lord just began to say, just go back and review. There's enough information in what we've taught that we can just go back and review what we've taught. And I guarantee it'll inspire, re-inform you so that you'll continue along this vein in your life. Amen? I'm telling you, the heart of this church is changing. 
My heart is changing. Your heart should be changing. We should never stay in a stagnant place in our heart. We should always grow into the things of God. Amen? Well, our jumping off scriptures. Anybody remember that? Proverbs chapter 4. My son, attend to my word, incline thine ear unto my saying. Let it not depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. For it's life for those that find them and health to all their flesh. God's word is medicine. It can heal your mind. It can heal your emotions. It can heal your marriage. It can heal your finances. And it can even heal your physical body. Amen. And then the, 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 the other part of that scripture, the next verse, keep thy heart. This is an important scripture. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Word of God instructs us on how to correctly handle our hearts. Now, when we first started this series, this was worth repeating, we determined that many times in the Word of God, the heart refers to the soul. Everybody say the soul. But then there are other times that the heart means the spirit or refers to the spirit of man. Can I get an amen? But then we determined according to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder that which is the flesh and the soul and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we begin to discover that there's also this fourth element, everybody say fourth element, of the heart that finds a place of development. Now if you remember the first place we looked was not in between the spirit and soul but was in between the soul and the flesh. We talked about the heart of an athlete, how there are men and women that have taken up certain sports. I guess our big three is uh, uh, basketball, baseball, football, amen? And there are guys and gals that have great talent but don't have a heart for the game. And there are guys and gals with less talent, but they have a heart for the game and they end up being the champions. Who ends up being the champions? Those with a heart. That means from their soul to their flesh, there is something that lies in the middle there that develops, that empowers them. Remember, we looked at the marathon runner. I say running a marathon, which is how many miles? 26? 26 mile marathon run that about 18, 19, 20 miles, they hit what's called the wall. Physical, physical exhaustion. The mind wants to quit. But they have a heart to run the marathon. And they say literally, physiologically, because of a heart to do that, that there is a release of adrenaline in the body which helps them finish the race. Well, I think that's good. If that works in the physical, it ought to really work in the spirit. Amen? So we came over and began to concentrate on that which is developed between the spirit and the soul. We talked about how you have to have a heart for God. You have to have a heart for the Word of God. You have to have a heart for prayer. You've got to have a heart for church. Now, if you, if you just think about what you used to have a heart for when you were in sin. Amen. I mean, we all, all of our hearts were messed up. I mean, we'd chase after this drug or this alcohol or this party. I mean, you lived for the party. It started out, the party was on the weekend. Then it went from the weekend to Monday night. Then it went from the weekend to Monday, Tuesday. Then it went from the weekend to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then it went from weekend to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when you were off work. Then it went from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when you were off work. Then it went from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the weekend, and when you were at work. Amen. Come on, some of you are looking at me like you're so intimate. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You had a heart to party, amen? Now you need to have a heart to serve God. With the same intensity you used to party, you ought to have a heart to serve the Lord, Amen? So, we talked about it was developmental. Now, 
We also gave definition of the heart, physical definition, the hollow organ in the front of your chest that pumps blood. Take care of it. Amen. But then we talked about the inward heart or the heart that's being referenced here. The emotional or moral as distinguished from the intellectual or nature of man. Different uh, descriptions we gave. Having a uh, generous disposition. Uh, Compassion, a leader with a heart. Love and affection. Uh, He won her heart. Did I win your heart? See? Just give you an illustration. See how fast she answered? Courage. He never lost heart. (laughs) Amen? He never lost heart. Uh, the innermost character or feeling or inclination. I just knew it in my heart. Amen? Uh, A a man after my own heart. Uh, The essential and most vital part of something, the heart of a matter. Amen? Uh, uh, Our memory. I've committed it to my heart to know. Amen? So different from the spirit, soul, and body, the heart seems to have an ability to interact with all three. With the spirit, soul, and body. Amen? So as we begin to look at that, we begin to see different things about uh, how the heart operates, how the heart works. Lee and I gave an illustration. We talked about how in, in, in being in field ministry, we did not have a heart to start a church, to be pastors. I mean, I'd been around pastors for almost 20 years, 18 years solid. I didn't want to be a pastor. I saw what they went through without having the grace to go through it myself and in viewing it from the outside in, I didn't want any part of it. So Lee and I used to make a a statement from our hearts. We'll never have children. We'll never pastor a church. We didn't like kids because we saw your kids. (laughs) Well, you can't lie in church. I mean, you might as well tell the truth. Amen. So we didn't want kids. We didn't want a church because we saw churches. We saw kids. No, no, thank you. You know, that was in our hearts. But here's the thing. We begin to examine our motives. When you begin to examine motives, your heart opens to God. And when our heart opened to God, God began to change our heart. Now we've got a beautiful 16-year-old girl and a beautiful 15-year-old church. You say, why? Because our hearts change. That's how it works. You must give God access to your heart. Do not have a closed heart. Your heart may have been disappointed. Your heart may be broken. Your heart may be bruised. You might have an offended heart. But you must give God access to your heart because he can heal your heart, open up your heart, and use your heart to plant a dream in. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. I better be careful. I'll start preaching here. Now, we talked, we talked about, it's, it's, it says in Proverbs chapter 4, to guard your heart uh, with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. We talked about heart issues. Number one, now this is, this is really neat if you'll think about this. Who am I? People, we, we, we say that in a setting like this, in a church setting, and everybody just kind of goes, oh, okay, you know, I know who I am. But out in the world, think about how many people don't know who they are. That's a heart issue. They look in a mirror and they see a man and they say a woman. They look in the mirror, they see a woman and say, I'm a man. That's a messed up heart. Their heart's messed up. And a lot of people don't realize that that, that the identity crisis that is in the world is a crisis solved by redemption because God trumps all of that, makes us in Christ, which trumps every other identity issue that we have. Amen. Amen. Who am I? What do I do? Who do I do it with? Where do I do it? Those are all issues of the heart. Money issues. 
giving, spending, wisdom, and integrity. All of these, all of these areas when it comes to money, if you have the right heart toward money, let me just help you with this. If you have the right heart toward money, God can trust you with money. You say, I want God to give me money. He's got to be able to trust you with it because he's your heavenly father and he's not going to give you anything that hurts you. Amen. 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 Relationships, husband-wife relationships, heart issue. Children and parent relationships, heart issue. Business, education relationships, heart issue. Spiritual relationships, pastors, churches, spiritual relationships, ministers, missionaries. Then there's friends. These are all issues of the heart. Amen. Then there are time issues. Oh, man. We could have got into that and meddled, amen? God, prayer, church, work, hobbies, all these different things that we do have to be regulated and there must be a balance. The greatest frustration in life is when your life is out of balance. Have you ever had a car that the tires weren't balanced? I had an old yellow Ford truck I bought for $900 up here on Broadway, at one of these used car places up on Broadway, years, years ago, 40 years ago. And it had been wrecked in the front end. So I ate up front tires. I put, I put front tires on it about every three or four months. And everybody in the world, I take it to them, oh, I can balance them. I can, I, I can straighten out your front. I can. They never did. It just ate up. Ate up tires, ate up tires, ate up tires, ate up tires. Every time something is out of balance, there's inordinate friction. Amen. And that friction is what eats away at you. So there must be a correct balance in your life. Put God at the top. People say, well, I ain't got time. That's easy for you to say it's a preacher. Listen, never blame what you cannot do on somebody that's doing it. You'll always get yourself in trouble doing that. Make time for God. Make time for the Bible. Make time for prayer. Then make time for your husband. Make time for your wife. Make time for your children. Make time for hobbies. Make time to rest. So many people are so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. You're so tired because you're out of balance. We used to, we used to say this, oh, we're so busy, we're so busy, we're so busy. We're traveling all over the, remember that? We're so busy, we're so busy, we're so busy. Oh, we're going here, we're going there, we're going. Revival meeting, camp meeting, busy, 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 busy. We're going, going here, there, going. And God spoke to me and said, you better shut up, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> Amen. We were doing what, 300 meetings in a year. That's busy. So I begin to say, I ain't so busy. And you know, when I begin to confess that over about a year's period of time, my life began to slow down so that God can begin to look at me, examine me. I could begin to examine myself. And that's where we begin to examine our motives. And God opened our heart to change. See, a lot of, a lot of people never change because their hearts never change. They try to do everything they can do to change. Their, you know, you got an addiction, you got a problem, you got a health issue, and you're doing everything you can do in the natural to change it, but it never changes. Why? Because you can get over here in your soul and have a mind change and have an emotion change and have a willpower change, but if it's really not in your heart, you'll revert right back to the problem that you had. You need a change in your heart, and God can do that. Amen? Mm-mm-mm. In the heart, we build securities or we allow insecurities to develop. There must be a word enforcement from a new spirit and a renewed mind to develop the strong heart. This is when God must be allowed to access our hearts. Everybody say, God, you can have my heart. So we begin to talk about all the different things that the heart does, how you can harden your heart. You can be glad in your heart. You can have a willing heart. Your heart can be stirred. You can have wisdom of heart. You can have hate in your heart. Then we went over and looked at the prodigal son. Y'all remember that? 
Now, in the prodigal son, we we discovered a heart story. In the prodigal son, the younger son had an immature heart. Remember that? Then he had a greedy heart. Then he had a foolish heart. He had no submission in his heart, but then he had a change of heart. The Bible said he came to himself. Amen? And when he had a change of heart, he had a repentant heart. Then he had a convicted heart. And after that, he had a change. But the older son, oh my goodness, we thought he was the good guy and found out he wasn't the good guy. He was the bad guy. He had an angry heart. He had a resistant heart. He had a legalistic heart. He had a religious heart. He had a heart of accusation. And his hardened heart blinded him to the mercy of his father toward his fallen brother. That's what a hardened heart will do. It will blind you to the mercy of God. Amen. Uh, We begin to look at developing a heart for God, feeding our heart. Number one, location. Everybody say location. You must locate your heart. Don't live in the fantasy of thinking everything's right. If something is painful, if something is hurting in relationship, finance, you got to do something about it. Don't live in denial that something is not right. Now, let me just say this, that something is right. Let me just say this. Now, I I don't want to get into this and then, you know, just have Easter and fly off and have a great time and then come, come back without helping you. If you're not having continual breakthroughs in God, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. People struggle sometimes to get prayers answered. It shouldn't be that hard, church. I've had times in my life in which it was hard to get prayers answered. It was because my heart was messed up. Come on. You say, Pastor, I'm really having, uh, man, this healing thing is really, uh, I'm really having trouble getting healed. I'm really having trouble getting this prosperity thing going. I'm really having trouble here, having trouble there. You need to not judge God as being unfaithful to you. You need to judge your own heart and see what the issue is of what's stopping the flow of God's divine force in your life. Mm, We'll preach on that a little later. Feed in your heart. Everybody say, feed in your heart. Now, feed your heart just like in the natural If you feed your heart junk food, there's going to be a problem. Same thing is true in the spirit realm. A lot of people feed their heart junk. Now, let me just say something. I did this in the early service. I hope it'll go over here. There's so much. We live in the information age, and there's so much information out there. But I just exhort you as your pastor, don't be such, don't expose yourself to volumes and volumes and volumes of information, especially in the political arena. Now, let me just say this. Nobody in here did their life radically change when George W. Bush got elected president. Nobody in here did their life radically change when President Barack Obama was elected president. Nobody in here, your life has radically changed since Donald Trump has been elected president. Then why feed on so much information? of something that in the long run probably will never affect your life whatsoever. Now, there may be a legislative thing here or there, a law that will change here or there that might affect your life, but it won't be a drag. Let me just say, no matter who sits in Washington, D.C., your life's going to continue just the way it is right now. So why feed on that on a constant, regular basis? Because there's a lot of agitation in that. There's a lot of accusation in that. There's a lot of offense in that. There's a lot of all kinds of junk on both sides of the aisle that can get in you that'll mess you up and you ain't even in a fight. Come on, church. Feed in your heart. You must judge things by what it produces. 
I said you must judge things by what it produces. The word is designed to transform. There are foods in the natural that can change your heart. There are things in the spirit that can change your heart. Now, we looked at the negative effect of allowing your soul to feed your heart. Number one, emotions. Your emotions has its root in the Adamic nature. Fear, anger, rejection, loneliness, etc. These are conditional realities developed in us from the time we are born. If emotions feed your heart, it is highly likely it's going to feed you a lie. How many of you ever said something like, "Well, I just don't feel like," and it didn't turn like it turned out like not, it didn't turn out like you felt. I remember there was someone in my life years ago, and I just didn't feel like they liked me. I just thought, man, they don't like me, and I don't like them. And I had to interact with this, per- this person in a ministerial level. And so one day the Lord began to deal with me about my love walk. And I, just, I was just kind of resistant to God because I was kind of like, well, you know, why should I take the first step? If that question is ever in you about a situation in your life, that's God telling you to take the first step. Let me just help you with that. Amen. So, so the Lord told me, I want you to take this individual and take them down and buy them a suit of clothes. And, you know, I had the Walmart brand in my mind. I thought, yeah, uh, they probably got a good $99, you know, special down there. And I can get suit and tie and shoes. And, and the Lord said, no, no. You take them to the best store and you let them pick what they want. And so, sure enough, they wanted to go to the best store. And they started picking the best brands. Coat. Two pairs of slacks, shirt, two ties, shoes and socks, and a belt. But see, during that day when I was with this individual, I found out from the time they were introduced to me till that day, they had been interceding for our ministry. I found out they were highly intimidated of me because they only knew me from the pulpit side so they would see us flow in the Holy Ghost and do different things. So they were highly intimidated. And I did not realize that this person was actually a fan of mine. But I didn't feel like that. And to this day, we're good friends. You say, why? Because I allowed something else to interdict in between my feelings so that my heart could change. Amen? So emotions, you got you to watch your emotions. They'll lie to you. The intellect, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. We, 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 we stimulate our mind, we educate our mind, we figure, we want explanation, and when the mind feeds the heart, it creates more questions than it does answers. Amen. Ought to get a better amen than that. Amen. Uh, an intellect-fed heart, an intellect-fed heart will make decisions only if it makes sense. Amen. Problem with that, faith doesn't make sense. So it makes faith a difficult choice. Your will... Your choice, when your choices control your heart, instead of your heart controlling your choices, you will always choose by what you feel or think. This produces what? All of the negative things that can come from your heart. That's why people shut down on God. They quit coming to church. They quit reading their Bible. They quit doing all of these things. They're making choices from their soul. It's feeding their heart, and they're creating a heart that is not online with what God wants in their life. Now, let me say this and we'll go on because I I didn't teach on much of this. We may do this later when we get over into faith. Your heart is where God plants. Let me say that again. Your heart is where God plants. 
God wants you to have good soil, prosperity seeds, uh, uh, seeds, of, seeds of health and healing. Your destiny seeds, your dream seeds need to be planted in a good heart. You need good soil. And a lot of people, their heart's all messed up. There's all kinds of other junk growing there. Yeah, yesterday, uh, I guess our, our major uh, uh, enemy we fight in our yard is dollar grass. Anybody know what dollar grass is? So I used to go around and just kind of pick, you know, pick it up, pull up the dollar grass, you know, just kind of pick it up. I found out it's all connected. How many have ever done that? Uh, Leah's, uh, when, when Leah's dad went on to heaven, I inherited one of his garden tools. I don't know if he made it or bought it or what it was. And I can take and, and get under that dollar grass and, and kind of loosen the dirt. And I can go over to the biggest dollar grass leaves and reach down and pull the whole thing out of there. And it removes all of that dollar grass, and I'm able to plant pretty flowers right there. You say, why? Because I found out it's all connected. I found out it's all. There are things that come out of your soul that feed your heart, and they're all connected to produce dollar grass. I found out you can't eat dollar grass. You can't smoke dollar grass. There ain't nothing you can do with dollar grass. I've never seen a bug eat it. I've never seen anybody do anything with dollar grass. And it ain't worth a dollar. Hallelujah. The problem with your choices. You ready for this one? You got to live by them. You got to wear them. That's why you need to make from your heart the right choices. Amen? How's my time? Oh, i got 10 minutes. Are you liking this? Yeah. Notice how quickly negative choices will affect your life. That's because we live in a fallen realm. You, make an, you, you decide, oh, I'm just going to leave church today. I'm going to get me a 12-pack of Miller. I guarantee you, you'll have all kind of, by the time you finish the 12th beer, you'll have all kind of junk going on in your life. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it'll just unload all kinds of stuff in your life because that's the way it works. The Word is the truth about God, and it's also the truth about us. That's why the Word needs to feed our heart and set the reality of who we are, what we have, and what we can do in Christ Jesus. All life changes. Now listen to this. All life changes begin with a heart change. If your heart doesn't change, it won't change. You may have a temporary uh, a change of, uh, of scenery or, or appetite or whatever, but it will always revert back to what the problem was. Amen? Change words, change attitude. Change attitude, change desire. Change desire, change sight. You'll see things differently. Change sight, change ear. You'll hear things just differently. Out of all that change comes changed passion. Amen? Which finds strength from a spirit-empowered heart. You say, how can people rise up and do these powerful things in the kingdom of God? How can they build television stations, build universities, build great hospitals? How can these Holy Ghost people do this? It's because God puts it in their heart and God strengthens them, strengthens them in their heart to do the will of God. God can only strengthen you in the arena of the seed that he's planted in you. Amen? Then remember we talked about the burning house and the burning heart. Burning house, need base, self-centered. Fire is extinguished when the need is met. Burning heart, fire intensifies. Needs come and go. Your heart is for him. Your desire is of him. Your purpose is to please him. Burning house, no discipline, no accountability, no true joy. You're ruled by happiness. If I had five Chris $100 bills, 
and picked any person in the crowd and handed it to them, you'd have an instantaneous rush of emotion. That's happiness. You can get that from chocolate. Now, if I went into your purse or billfold and took out five Chris $100 bills, you'd also have an instantaneous rush of emotion. Amen? Anger, that's right. No purpose, no passion, no vision, no submission. You desire for God to do his part without your part changing you. Now, see, how many want something from God? I mean, you need something from God right now. You need God to break through in your life and produce something supernatural. What makes you think God's going to do it in your life if you're not willing to change to not only receive that from him, but keep what he gives you? Because if your heart doesn't change, all you would do is experience the initial giving of that. Then the enemy will go to work taking it away from you, and he'll probably get it because your heart hadn't changed toward God. Mm-mm-mm. Your vision of an answer is to return to the place you were before you had the problem, not realizing that place is why you have the problem. Mm-mm-mm. Burning heart, structure, discipline, vision, passion, which produces compassion, integrity, accountability, selflessness, generosity, true joy, the fruits of the Spirit, qualified for the gifts of the Spirit, endurance, cheerfulness, patience, and self-control. Now, you've got to understand, if you will get rid of your burning house mentality and adopt a burning heart mentality, God will bless you beyond your imagination. Too many people serve God only for what God can do for them, and what God can do for them is very limited. But when you make a decision, I'm going to serve God because God is God. God is a good God. He's redeemed me from sin. When I die, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Thank you for no other reason. For no other reason you should serve God. But then there's all kinds of other reasons. Health, blessing, prosperity, destiny, calling, all the good things that God has for us. And when you begin to serve God from a burning heart, nothing God gives you impresses you more than God impresses you. Mm-mm-mm. I might need to preach all this again. I like this. Let me close with this. We talked about healing the bruised, broken, and offended heart. Jesus in Luke 4.18 was sent to heal the brokenhearted. Amen? There are things that are as trivial as an as a Astros loss. You know, it just broke my heart, the Astros loss. Or they're as traumatic as losing a loved one. Amen? Broken heart is a condition of the heart being totally controlled by emotion. Amen? Or a pattern of thought. Broken heart, any area in which your heart is not guarded is a potential area to be broken, bruised, or offended. All of the above. All of the above needs change. All of your watch, use all of your watches, use all of your watchfulness, guard your heart more than any other treasure. Everybody say treasure. A broken heart is any event, situation, or life experience or circumstance which renders your heart ineffective to perform that which God intends. It inhibits the inner spirit from feeding information, motivation, and desire, rendering your heart unavailable to function as God designed it. One must rely on feelings, thoughts, and choices to function, not realizing this is Satan's playground. A lot of people get their heart broke and they end up in an emotional, mental state not realizing that's exactly where Satan wants you. 
Your authority won't work. Your love won't work. Your faith won't work. Because now you've got all these feelings. You've got all these issues. And God wants to heal you from all of that. Amen? It will start or begin the corruption process. It will cause the corruption process to affect your treasure. Let's say you had a, had, a, had a big pretty box of gold coins. If you went down and got a big bucket of salt water out of the Gulf of Mexico and poured it in there, the corruption st- process would start on that, uh, up on that box and it would rot it away and whatever it was that was guarding that gold, anybody could get in there and get it because it, it just causes all that stuff to, take, uh, to, to corrode. Now, your heart is always revealed in your words. You can always tell when people are messed up. All you got to do is talk to them long enough. I mean, you'll get around to the matter, matter sooner or later. Your mouth connected. Okay, I'll do that, Lord. Let me say this. Dealing with brokenhearted people in your life, you've got to be very careful. Because a lot of people, when they begin to serve the Lord, and they begin to rise up in the things of God, it's amazing how the adversary will bring project people into your life. Now, Project people many times, you say, well, I believe God has brought this person into my life to help them. Well, I agree, but you need to be a signpost to them. You say, what do you mean? You just need to point them to the right direction. You point them to Jesus, you point them to the church where somebody with a gift from God, from the, from the authority of a pulpit, can minister to them. Because many times, a broken-hearted project person will cause you to end up broken-hearted and a project person also because you'll partake of their pain. God doesn't want you partaking of anybody's pain. He wants their pain relieved. But you must understand the process in which that happens. Only go so far with certain people. Now, there are people in your family and people that are close to you that you might have to spend a little more time with. But if you have a person that's constantly just bombarding you with all these issues, you just need to tell them, hey, here's the deal. Just be quiet. Come go to church with me. And many times that's their answer. Because getting them to the house of God gets them to God. Mm -mm. The Holy Ghost just interrupted me to say that, so that's for somebody here. Amen? Uh, Your mouth connected to a broken heart will continually rehearse the situation, which causes the condition. From the trauma of a broken heart, you feel and think wrong and always make wrong choices. We talked about different examples of that, how how the Band-Aid on it is anger. I'm just angry. I'm just mad. I tell you, well, that's that's the band-aid on a broken heart. Amen. And when that when that get we self-medicate, drugs, alcohol, all kinds of flesh things. We do it. We we become workaholics, isolating ourselves from our family and friends. Come on, church. We get out of balance. Every anything could anything anything can get out of balance. And Proverbs says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. A bruised heart, that which is in. Remember, wound is outward, bruise is inward. A bruised heart. Bruised hearts are found in those whose own self-delusion has caused them great disappointment. Uh, uh, Many people which have gone through types of trauma, secret sins that go on in people's life, adultery and things like that, people that are involved in things that they know is wrong, but they keep maintaining that, many times inwardly they're bruised. That's why they try to hide it. Amen? Uh, Secret sins on the surface, nobody knows. Uh, 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 the, The weight of the guilt, the condemnation. Here's another one, inward bruise, unanswered prayer. You say, you mean unanswered prayer can bruise your heart? Absolutely. You got an idea in your mind how God's going to do something. Now, first of all, you got to understand some things about prayer. We just taught 14 months on prayer. Well, we should have been here. You should have been. Because we answered a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. 
Remember talking about the sign I saw in the antique shop. Now, God answers every prayer. Some answers are no. That's hogwash. God answers every prayer that's prayed in line with his word. If you learn to pray within the circumference of his word, every prayer you pray gets answered. God, listen, let me just say, God doesn't have a no in him when it comes to his word. He don't have a no in him. Healing, prosperity, blessing, there's just ways of learning to receive. Amen? So those inward bruises, this is why all these different things that I mentioned in this, I don't want to get into all of them because if I do, we talked about dating. This is why dating can be so dangerous because you get two people and they start, you know, all it takes is two young people and you, just, you rub a little flesh, it starts sparking. That's why they call it sparking. Amen? And then, you know, where, you, where you're trying to do the right thing, trying to do the right thing, but you're, you don't know how powerful your flesh is, honey. Leah said, I mean, Breland said that to me one day. You just don't trust me. I said, no, I just don't trust your flesh. I trust you, honey. I don't trust your flesh. But people will come together. They say, oh, this is God. This is God. Then they'll cross that line. And next thing you know, there's guilt and condemnation. There's a bruise on the inside. Well, get it under the blood. Repent. Get back into your holiness and righteousness. Amen. And you want to have that bruised heart. Uh, uh, it causes your value system to be, uh, to, to be messed up. And bruised hearts lead to compulsive behavior because you're all constantly acting it out. Now, let me, let me end with this and we'll, and we'll end on an amen. Amen. The offended heart, the ultimate victim. I've had it all and everybody's done it to me. I'm the dartboard of the world and everybody's throwing their darts right in my heart. <laughs> amen. Remember what we talked about offense, uh, being uh, victimized, uh, uh, caused to stumble, caused to fall, amen? Samuel, the Bible, David said this. He said, in all that David went through, he refused to be a victim. He refused to be offended. Offense, uh, uh, caused to be victimized, to stumble or fall. There are three areas that we looked at. We get offended at the word, Mark chapter 4, Amen? We got offended the way God chooses to do things. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended to me. Then we get offended at people. Everybody say at people. Look at your neighbor say, I'm not offended. Offense is contagious. You can become offended and develop victim mentality in almost any area of life. It makes the things of God, it, it makes the things of God seem always to violate you. Man, every time I go to church, they're just talking right at me. I ain't going back to that church. I keep coming up with the, the lady that wrote me the letter saying, we're not, I'm not coming to Island Church because every time I come to Island Church, you tell everybody in the church what I've been doing all week long. <laughs> yeah, I've hired four private investigators to follow you all week long so that when you come to church, I can tell off on you. I'm not the one telling you that. That's an offended heart, Amen. Proverbs says, a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong seed. Now, here we go. Closing with this. How do you get rid of all this? Number one, admit it. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm offended. I'm bruised. I'm broken. You can't go around acting like nothing's wrong, expecting things to change because you're acting like nothing's wrong. I'm, let me try that one again. Amen? 
You can't go around acting like nothing's wrong, expecting things to change because you're acting like nothing's wrong. It never will. Just come to the point where you say, okay, Lord, I, you know, he's talking about me. Yeah, got me. Came to church, got me. Then, as soon as you admit it, God has access. He can get to you now. He can start helping you now. He can start bringing things into your life that's going to change your heart, change your situation, change your circumstance. <laughs> the next point, number two, respond to ministry. You know, when other preachers come and they preach on things, you can see people that are kind of cringing saying, I guess he's been on the phone to the pastor all week. No. People that know our ministry and other ministries that we trust here, we never say anything about anything that's going on in the church, much less somebody else's personal life. That's wrong. You say, well, then how do you know that? Uh, excuse me, <clears throat> the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God who knows everything can reveal it either by the Word or by the Spirit. That's God saying, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. And you get mad because somebody knew it. Well, God knows everything. Mm-mm-mm. Number three, everybody say number three. Return to your first love. Get wound up, tied up, wrapped up in Jesus. Cut off the TV, cut off the rock and roll, cut off all the little pacifiers you suck on. That's what they are. It's your little blanket, your Linus blanket you're carrying around. Come on, church. Cut all that stuff out and go back to Jesus. Just G Jesus, 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 Jesus. My aunt and uncle used to have a ministry to hippies back in the 60s called the Rescue Ranch, and it was called Beans and Rice and Jesus Christ. That's all there was to the ministry. <laughs> Beans and Rice and Jesus Christ. What did those hippies need? Beans and Rice and Jesus Christ. That's all they got. You've got to resist thoughts. Use your authority. Begin to say out loud to your brain, you're not thinking like that anymore. You're not thinking hurt. You're not thinking pain. You're not thinking on the problem. You're not thinking about those people. You're not thinking, you're not thinking, you're not. You've got to say it. David said, I will say of the Lord. Your authority is not released by another thought. Your authority is released through the word you say. That, that was the number five. Resist thoughts by saying. And the last one. Recognize your heart is the ground where God's going to place your dream. The seed of your dream goes right into your heart. That's the soil that's going to produce your dream. Why do you want that messed up? You want that healed. Now, let me just say this, and this might, this, this might help you. Sometimes we give out so much information... And I'm accused of that, and probably rightfully so. Gift of a teacher rises up in me, and I manage. Just, I, 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 sit, I stand beside myself sometimes, listen to myself, and say, where's all that stuff coming from? Well, it's the Spirit of God that does things like that. You've got to take one thing that you hear that agrees with your heart, and you've got to do that. And if you'll begin by one, with one step, God will make two toward you. In all of our major heart changes Lee and I have had in our lives, which we've had many, many of them, we've had to first of all examine ourselves. Not the person that was 
the problem or the situation that was the problem or the circumstance, we had to, we had to look at us. And many times that's the hardest look. Because it's easy to look at the people around you and blame. But at the end of the day, it doesn't work. It didn't work in the garden. It won't work today. Well, it's their fault. It's their fault. No, you can't do that. But then as you just begin to simply come to God based on your need and admit, Lord, i got some heart issues here that I really need. I really need to get fixed because I am tired of sitting in a neutral gear spiritually. I need, maybe you're a business person. Well, maybe you're, maybe you work for, you're employed. And everything that you do in your business or in your employment, it seems like you're constantly passed over for promotion or it just seems like you're just kind of just making wages and just kind of going through the motions and nothing's really happening. That's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God. The plan of God is blessing in your life. But see, we fall into so many traps of the adversary based on environment. You say, what, envi- what do you mean environment? It's just the way people are. And we determined during this teaching, <laughs> and I don't know, you don't want to hear it, but it's true. We just don't want anybody telling us what to do. I mean, you can look at me in that tone of voice, but it is the truth. We talked about the guy with a $100,000 briefcase. You know, for a few months, he lived in an apartment. And he, you know, they even asked him, well, are you going to get up? Sure, I'm going to look for a job. You know, bought him a little truck, helped some of his friends that were on the street. Then in six months, he was right back on the street. And they asked him, why are you back on the street? And the guy thought for me, said, you know, I just don't want anybody telling me what to do. And many times, that is the core issue of our problem is independence. And the root of an independent spirit is self. And self is the reason for the fall. You say, you're not independent. I'm so dependent on God, I couldn't draw a breath without Him. I'm I'm dependent for my marriage, for my ministry, for my child, for my finances, my health. I mean, I'm dependent for, there ain't nothing in my life that I am not solely dependent on God for. And through my dependence, I found a place of submission. And when I found a place of submission, I found a place of willingness. And that willing, (coughs) excuse me, that willing place in my life is this. Lord, if you see me needing to change, you let me know and I'll begin the process. And I'll initiate it. And as we've done that over the years, the blessing of God has come on us. When we backed away from that, then we begin to struggle. Strife, friction, things begin to grind down, things begin to get out of balance. Then we've got to go right back and start all over again. Examine ourselves, examine our motive, get, get giving God. This is the process of life we must live. And in doing so, we are what? Changed from faith to faith and from glory to glory. See, we we're, we're always want God to change things. I mean, if I, were to, if I were to ask by a raise of hands, don't raise your hands. But I mean, how many need God to change something in your life? Everybody raise their hand. But the problem is, God doesn't change things. And everybody goes, oh. <laughs> kind of like going to Let's Make a Deal. You know the TV show Let's Make a Deal and you don't get picked? But you had a really good costume, you know? And you know, they say, well, the show's over. And you're kind of like, oh not what I wanted to hear. God changes you so you can change things. 
that's what God does. And when you realize that, that when he changes your heart, he gives you power, he gives you authority, he gives you spiritual insight, there are gifts of the Spirit, there are fruits of the Spirit, there's all of this equipment, all of these weapons, all of this God stuff that he says you can handle. You can handle this God stuff. And you can go out and change any circumstance, any situation, any problem, if you'll just do it. Can I get a better amen? Lift up your hands and Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.